Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the Try, Fail, Learn podcast. This is episode number six. And today we are fortunate enough to have the Director of Aviation and Economic Resources for Daytona Beach International, Cyrus T. Callum. Let's get into it. Cyrus, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to tell your story and just talk about the, you know, the challenges and everything that came into you being um, the professional you are today. So if you don't mind, just go ahead and give yourself an introduction and we'll get started. Thanks, Joshua. So I'm Cyrus Callum. I'm currently the Director of Aviation and Economic Development for Volusia County, Florida. I oversee Daytona Beach International Airport, and also Volusia County's Economic Development Department. So uh, lots of hats, very unique position because uh, you don't necessarily have this set up in a lot of different uh, local governmental agencies. And I I think it works because you, you think about what airports mean to their economy. Well, I have the opportunity here to tie both of those things together, the economy of the county and and get to work with providing incentives or looking at incentives to bring in businesses in. And of course, businesses want to make sure that they have air service opportunities and they have a pipeline for uh, getting everything that the aviation system uh, can get out to help support their businesses. So uh, this is a uh, unique opportunity. I'm happy and pleased to be a part of it. And once again, just an opportunity just to learn and grow and add to my utility belt in airport management. Absolutely. So Cyrus, if you could go ahead and uh, tell us about um, young Cyrus. So when you were a kid, high school, what inspired you to go down the track towards aviation? Well, I always knew I wanted to be in aviation in some capacity. Uh, I grew up in Denver, Colorado, right underneath flight path at Denver Stapleton Airport at the time. So while everyone else was complaining about the noise, I actually enjoyed it. It was fascinating to me to see these large metal objects in the air making (laughs) all this noise. And so at the time, I I got involved with... uh, a flight club uh, in town and started taking flight lessons and originally thought I wanted to be an airline pilot. Uh, my freshman year of high school, uh, United Airlines, which um, has their flight training center in Denver, uh, they had an adopt-to-school program and it was a community outreach program that United had and they wanted to reach out to some of the high schools and expose the students to the aviation industry. And as a result of that, I was, uh, took part of that program and uh, ended up uh, winning an internship with United and, and uh, got to fly some of their uh, simulators that they had at the flight training center. And uh, from the instructors that were there, they were saying, oh, this kid's taking a graduate course and he hasn't been to kindergarten yet. And, <laughs> you know, I, I had just started flight lessons. Of course, I didn't have my pilot's license, you know, just uh, basics in terms of ground school and, you know, just learning how to do touch and goes. And then here I am flying a 727 simulator, uh, things that would normally cost, you know, hundreds of dollars an hour for mm-hmm. people that have, you know, their, you know, multi-engine ratings and their commercial pilot's license and the commercial certificate. And, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm flying this hardware and, uh, yeah. and, and, but an amazing experience and exposed me to the industry to help me realize uh, whether or not I wanted to just be full 
in on it to, you know, start to put pieces in place to look at universities that had cri- curriculum and, and, and different uh, criteria requirements in order to go that path. And, and so um, great program. Uh, the other thing that came out of that, um, being part of that program, we got exposed to the airport planning environment because at the time Denver International Airport was being planned and and I uh, got to learn a lot about what went into that. So in the back of my mind, there was always an interest in, well, maybe if this pilot thing doesn't work out, maybe I can get involved in airport planning and airport management. And so I kind of sparked that fire to get involved in the industry that way. So I always knew I wanted to do something with aviation, something to do with airports, whether or not it was flying or just uh, working at an airport on a day in day out basis or helping airports as they continue to develop and evolve. Gotcha. And so that went into into college when you went to college and you have a, a degree. What What is your major in? Right. So I, I majored in aviation management. I went to Southern Illinois University at Carbondale. Um, they had a relationship with United Airlines um, as well, because at the time I was still kind of on the fence and learning how I wanted to fly. So I got involved in the aviation flight program and continued through um, their program as a kind of like an ab initial setup where, you know, they, they start you from ground school, even though I'd already have my, my license heading in um, at the time. Um, they, they, they set you up on the way that um, they want you to be trained and so forth. And so I was able to kind of build flight time and, and get confidence in that arena. Um, but um, I ended up uh, doing an internship once Denver International Airport opened up. I did an internship there and, and I was hooked because uh, that, that exposure when I was in that United Airlines program, when Denver International was being planned, uh, the exposure to that process and doing that internship after the airport was complete, I, it, it just further submitted for me uh, that desire to want to continue to be a part in the day-to-day operations and, I guess, facility development and so forth as it related to airports. So um, great opportunity. Actually got to live at home with the folks while I worked at uh, the airport um, on a Monday, Friday, eight to five basis, getting that full on real world experience in airport management. And so I've stuck with it ever since. Mm. So what brought you down to Florida? Uh, a lot of things. So family situation uh, brought me to Florida. Uh, the other thing too, uh, a lot of my friends that I grew up with in Denver um, ended up going to college uh, in, in Florida. So Florida A&M University, my sister went to Bethune-Cookman University. I had a lot of friends that ended up at Embry-Riddle, uh, Florida State. And so when I was in Carbondale, usually on spring break, I would drive down to Florida and, you know, stop in Tallahassee, hang out with that segment, and then go over to Daytona Beach and hang out with that segment. So you know, it's just ironic as much as I was hanging out and doing the spring break thing in Daytona Beach when I was in college, I, I, would, I never would have thought that I would end up being uh, the, the top aviation official uh, some 25 years down the line. But yeah. you know, sometimes uh, life is uh, it, it throws you some some interesting storylines. Uh, and so um, I was happy to, to see it back then and happy to see how the community has grown up from there. Yeah. So let's talk about um, AAAE. So in the episode with Diane Cruz, she talked about getting her um, her AAAE, I guess, being a part of AAAE, the organization, which stands for... It's the American Association of Airport Executives. And so the, um, the designation that you get uh, is the accredited airport executive. You'll see a lot of us, we have the AAE uh, right. after our name. And, you know, there's a lot of different... Um, certifications you can get, but I, I say the AAE is probably the most recognizable. Um, it's, it's probably the most popular. Um, and uh, for a lot of people, it's, it's, it's probably the most challenging uh, to uh, receive because it's a three-step process. And and yeah, uh, Diane, she uh, earned her AAE and um, I've, I've sat on many panels with Diane to help 
uh, pull other people across that finish line. So she has, she's been definitely a great help in that regard and just, you know, a great friend, a great neighbor um, through her tenure at Sanford when I was in Orlando. So, yeah. Yeah. So with, um, with AAAE, I see that you, when did you go through the process of, of getting that certification at what stage in your career? So I, I, I actually started the process uh, when I was in Jacksonville. Uh, I was in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, um, both in the private sector and then back into the public sector. I, I, I got with an airport planning firm or an airport, or, well, it actually they, do, they did more than airports, but uh, my specialization at the time at this firm, uh, Reynolds Smith and Hills, uh, was airport planning. And I started the process of uh, going through the written exam. They call it the certified members exam. And it's 180 questions. Uh, you got to get 70% of the uh, multiple choice questions correct and um, they, they they pretty much just uh, throw tons of theory and and tons of technical data at you um, to show that you have some competency in recognizing uh, different things and regulations and processes as it relates to you know dealing with an airport on a day-to-day basis so got through that process while i was a consultant and then um ended up getting with the Jacksonville Aviation Authority um, shortly after I, I, I earned the uh, CM. And uh, then I completed the accreditation uh, at that time uh, in 2007. And so, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the process uh, it takes a lot of time, a lot of study, a lot of dedication. I was fortunate to have wonderful mentors uh, through the process. Uh, Danette Bewley, who uh, to this day is still uh, one of my trusted mentors in my network. Um, she happened to be the airport director in Jacksonville. Um, she uh, ran a day-to-day uh, for Jacksonville International Airport um, at the Jacksonville Aviation Authority. And so she was on the board of examiners. And so that helped because I had a, a, a clear line of communication with her. She knew my goals and aspirations. She knew I wanted to get through the process the first time. And so uh, she made sure that I was prepared and uh, sat through the final interview. Um, Scott Brockman was on my panel, Lou Bledweiss uh, from Asheville, uh, Scott Brockman's from Memphis, and then Tommy Bibb, uh, formerly from Nashville, was on my panel. and. You know, we rocked it, got through in about 90 minutes and, uh, you know, got to wear that AAE badge. And, um, you know, I wear it on my sleeve. Anybody that uh, talks uh, about me, that's probably one of the things they say. You know, I I promote the program. Um, Currently the chair of the board of examiners uh, as it stands. And so um, we make sure that the, the process is rewarding. We make sure that it keeps up with our dynamic industry. We make sure that we're putting best management practices and tactics and best processes uh, out there for the membership and the candidates to go through the program. And, you know, I, I, I definitely am proud to champion that effort. So, you know, I pull a lot of people through the process. I pull a lot of people that get through the program uh, back on the panel so they can actually see the other side of the table and help other people through the process. And, you know, I, I set very ambitious goals for the rest of the board of examiners because uh, we want to make sure that the uh, program is, is keeping pace uh, with our membership, but more importantly, keeping pace with the industry. That's awesome. I remember when I was uh, when I was an operations coordinator in Sanford, I had thought about I was just I had just learned about AAAE and I was like I wonder if that's something that I could pursue in getting, you know, getting AAAE certified and so I looked into it and somebody told me like nah man you're you're way too low to they'll never even talk to you. Is that something that somebody in the lower ranks of airport management, somebody like an operations coordinator or operations manager should seek out doing for a career in aviation? Absolutely. That person gave you horrible advice. Uh, I, I, if, if you have that ambition and you have that time and dedication uh, from day one, you can start studying for the process because it's, it's going to take that amount of time 
to gather all of the knowledge base that you need in order to be successful through the program. And it forces you to look out and seek mentors that will help you through the process as well. So I would recommend anybody day one, you get into the airport business or even in college, you can start on studying for the certified members exam. That's the first step of the three-step process. Tell everybody, I did it when I was a consultant. I wasn't even in airport management at the time when I got the CM. So you definitely, any opportunity to take a, a shot at the exam or take a shot at studying for the materials, definitely, I would never discourage anybody from wanting to start that process. So the thing about the aviation industry, we're, we're going through another metamorphosis, of course, uh, you know, deregulation in 1978, that spurred changes, you know, different fluctuations in the economy um, in the 80s. And then, of course, 9-11s changed a lot of the landscape in uh, the airport arena and then the Great Recession. And then here we are with the pandemic. Um, eventually, um, there's going to be a need to uh, come back and support airports. And we're going to be looking for qualified people that have background knowledge on best practices and how to run airports safely and responsibly. So um, there's definitely going to be a need for um, people with your experience. I mean, you, you, no one can take away that operations experience that you had in Sanford. I mean, it's real world and you can definitely put that to use at any facility. Um, but definitely um, when we rebound, which is going to happen, um, you know, the pilot shortage is real, but, you know, they're looking at ways to be creative on how to put some of these flight crews back in the air. And we got to have responsible people on the ground that are able to make sure that, you know, 139 is followed to a T to make sure that those flights are operating on an airport that's safe. And so, you know, one piece of advice that I would give you is you don't have to be at an airport to go through the certified members program. Uh, you can, as, as long as you're a member of the AAAE and, and, and you pay for um, the materials, you can take that exam and have that CM after your name because the whole reason why we designed it that way is so we would give people that weren't in the day-to-day -day, uh, management of an airport an opportunity to still be able to converse or still have an opportunity to have, put a foot in the door for future opportunities. And it, it even further shows that interest in our industry that way. I, I tell you, if I'm, if I'm looking at a, a candidate to interview and I see that you have a CM after your name, I'm, you're, I'm putting you one step higher than the uh, candidate that doesn't have it. Gotcha. What, that's what I always loved about AAAE is the, the education that's provided and the opportunity to people is it, it stands apart from a lot of higher education programs in that it is very applicable education. Um, right. What I found is you get into a lot of higher education that teaches you a lot of generic or general knowledge, but AAA is very specific and and very up to date with things as they change. And so uh, one thing you have on your title is ACE. Can you talk about what that is? So ACE programs, the ACE, Airport Certified Employee Program, was something that AAAE developed for those people that worked in the airport industry, or maybe you're a consultant, or maybe you just have an interest in airports, and maybe you don't want to go through the full CM or AA process. Of course, you wouldn't be able to go through the AA process unless you actually worked at an airport. But, you know, maybe you don't want to go through that because your interest is in just airfield operations or your interest is in airfield electrical maintenance or finance or uh, trusted agent or security. And so these programs in ACE are aligned just for people that want to stay within a particular specialization. And the tests, the, the programs, they're still challenging. Um, a lot of the ACE programs, they'll require the candidate to go through a multiple choice uh, exam and, and get 70% similar to the CM, but it gives people an opportunity to have some credentials after their name 
and a particular specialization that they can use in order to be competitive or just to, you know, share knowledge. A lot of different airports, they'll require their airfield operations employees that are responsible for 139 to all go out and get their ACE just to show that, you know, there's an understanding in what's required for Part 139. There's no confusion with regard to the standards. And, you know, I, I think that's a, a, a really good business practice for uh, the airports to do so. But there's a variety of different ACE programs out there to suit whatever particular uh, airport professional or consultants needs. So finance, I think there's an international one, there's trusted agent, there's security um, operations, airfield operations anyway, um, airfield electric. Airfield Electrical, which, you know, a lot of uh, airports, they make their uh, uh, licensed electricians uh, go through that process because, you know, there's some nuances and different things that are very unique for uh, airports that people kind of need to pay attention to. And this kind of checks that box and shows that they they have that background knowledge. We're actually working on an ACE program that deals with airport planning. And so okay. we're in, yeah, we're in the infancy stages of that. The uh, ACE finance just actually rolled out not too long ago. And, you know, we're getting some good reviews with regard to that. So just different avenues and opportunities to allow people to still show that they have knowledge of a particular subject, but maybe they don't want to go through, you know, the, the whole enchilada that is the uh, CM and the AAE program. Gotcha. Okay. So let's start after Jacksonville. Speaking of, of specialization, um, after Jacksonville, you came over to Greater Orlando Aviation Authority right. as their noise abatement officer. Right. So um, can you talk about that? Because I don't see uh, that wasn't like a major of yours or there's nothing in there before that about noise abatement. So can you talk a little bit right. how you got into that and then what it is? Well, um, you're, you're probably going to hear me talk about networking a lot. Um as we go through this, uh, this, this process here. And um, from my network that I was able to build um, with Danette Bewley, who, as I mentioned before, was my mentor through the AAE program. uh, She introduced me to uh, a good friend of hers named Parker McClellan. And he at the time was director of airports for GOA, Greater Orlando Aviation Authority, and we were at a AAA conference in D.C., and at the time, I was wanting to kind of spread my wings a little bit. I kind of got to a point in Jacksonville where um, I was doing operations. I did business development and properties, but I, I wanted to spread my wings and learn a little bit more about the industry and um, ended up having a good conversation with Parker and Parker said, well, I have a noise abatement position that I'm getting ready to post. And um, I thought, you oh, know, noise abatement, that I add another tool to my belt and, uh, you know, get involved with the community and, and, and learn a, a, a different function of airport management that uh, may help me uh, work and deal within political environments. And, you know, that was one of the different skill sets that I was missing at the time. And, you know, I just, I thought it was a welcome challenge. So I I ended up getting that job and, uh, you know, noise abatement is uh, definitely a learning experience. I would never discourage anybody from doing it because for one thing, it really helps you learn how to exist within a situation where uh, you are representing something that's very unpopular to uh, the people that you are dealing with on a day and day basis. But you have to find a way to talk people off the ledge and try to help them understand why uh, the conditions are what they are. And, and it gave me an opportunity to kind of go out and educate people about aviation, about airplanes, about processes that you know, the FAA uh, are required to go through with regard to separation of aircraft, flight tracks and different things, but and also present these these things and these tactics to a lot of politicians, a lot of, of political um, leaders and jurisdictions that are adjacent to the airport that are affected by it and may not benefit from having 
the economic benefit of that airport being in our community, but they still have to suffer through some of the uh, results of the aviation activity. And so um, definitely a skill set I didn't have uh, going into that position, but I was able to cultivate. And I, I believe to this very day uh, helped me get to where I am. You know, because now I'm, I'm consistently within a political environment where I have to uh, talk to uh, policymakers about different things that, you know, may be within the airport's control or out of the airport's control, but try to make sense of that and then learn how to talk to people about that in a layman's type level. So, um, yeah, noise definitely prepared me for that and uh, was was a really good experience. Now, I will say this, uh, noise has a shelf life because you can only come into work uh, for so long and just uh, hear, you know, so much about what it is that you're doing that uh, is, is causing somebody a trauma and pain <laughs> from their yeah. perspective. But definitely, um, you know, you go through that four or five years, you get enough, uh, uh, work up enough patience to be able to kind of go to public workshops and talk about things or, you know, you got different media outlets that ask you questions about just aviation in general. And, you know, it's, it's fun, but yeah, definitely, it, it, it definitely has this shelf life. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when I when I first realized what noise abatement was, I was still, you know, on the ramp. And uh, Kevin Thompson, who is now, yeah. or I think he just moved up from noise abatement right. over right. at um, Orlando. And um, yeah. he was showing me all kinds of diagrams and all these things about how the noise goes through. So I, a little background. So I grew up on Sanford property. Okay. Um, we we rented a house from the uh, Sanford Airport Authority. Nice. And, um, we so you hardly, were a tenant. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. For 18 years, I grew wow. up there. Wow. So we um we hardly ever heard air, air, airplane noise. Yeah. Hardly ever because we're tucked real close but real low. So yeah. most of the buildings were blocking out a lot of the noise. You know, every once in a while we hear real low rumble and know something right. big had come to Sanford. Right. Um, but we had friends that lived underneath the flight path of takeoffs and landings and the noise was absolutely outrageous. I mean, yeah. crazy loud. And um, when he was showing me all these diagrams of how the noise, you know, passes and we one time had to, to ground an MD-80 that was leaving yeah. Sanford because the local ordinances where they were at didn't allow it to land after such a time because the MD-80s oh, were so much louder than, than yeah. Airbus aircraft. And so I, just an interesting world of aviation where you don't really think about it. You know, I mean, it's like it's an airport, it's loud, but there are regulations and things that prevent you from doing certain things. So, um, yeah, I couldn't imagine holding that position, having to explain all that to people and and deal with that side of it. Um, but let's talk yeah. about your time with um, Orlando and how right. you you kind of developed and, and the things that changed. And um, before you came over to Daytona, you were the director of the Orlando Executive Airport. So can you talk right. a little bit about how you came into that position? Right. So um, when I left noise abatement, um, I moved over to take on the assistant director of airport operations overseeing landside operations in the terminal. And, you know, once again, this these these opportunities for me uh, were more about adding additional tools to my utility belt to try to be the most complete uh, airport manager that I could be. And one thing that I didn't have in noise abatement was a staff. And so I, I wanted to look at 
what I needed to do in order to deal with employees and deal with those HR issues that may come up and uh, employee interaction and so forth. And so the land side gave me the opportunity to do that. Um, at the time when I was there, it was the uh, largest in the operations department in terms of the number of employees. I think I was responsible for about 110 employees at the time. And, you know, I and this had, was uh, not, this was not the executive and not at the executive, not yet, but this was, this was one of the things that helped prepare me for the executive airport. Gotcha. And so, um, you know, because I, I, I don't think I would have been as effective at executive airport had I not learned skills on how to uh, deal with, employees um as as uh, as effectively as a lot of the situations that were presented um and and of course you know you, you learn a lot about yourself you know you make mistakes and and you learn from the mistakes and you go with the guidance of you know hr in terms of policies and of course you know a lot of organizations they'll have labor unions and contracts and different things that you have to follow and um, with the staff that I had in Landside, and, you know, none of those employees were unionized. And so, you know, we had to go through um, certain processes that were set up, you know, through the state and, and some policies that were set up through GOA. So did that uh, for a good number of years and got some really good experience. And um, the longtime airport director at Executive Airport uh, was uh, getting set to retire. And um uh, Phil Brown, the uh, chief executive officer at GOA, um, approached me and, and asked, you know, okay, well, uh, we've had conversations about um, me and general aviation. I've always been a user of general aviation since I've had my pilot's license, always any opportunity to fly, I'd take it. And so I've expressed interest in going to executive, but, um, you know, Mr. Brown had presented me with an opportunity and said, well, uh, which would you rather? Would you rather be uh, director of operations at uh, Orlando International Airport, or would you rather be the uh, director at Executive Airport? And I jumped right at Executive Airport because at Orlando International for me, being a director of operations, of course, you know, large hub airport, um, you know, access to all of these airlines and all of these challenges. But when you go through the accredited airport executive process, I mean, you're you're dealing with finance, admin, planning, construction, environmental operations, maintenance, security, and community relations, and you name it. And I wanted to exercise all those things that I learned from going through that process. So. Mm easier for me to do that at executive airport, wear these hats and, and do these things, whether it be capital development, whether it be commercial development, because Orlando executive airport at the time, 60% of the revenues that were generated came from commercial properties that weren't even aeronautically related. And so I really wanted to have that opportunity to do that. And so when Kevin McNamara, who was the director at the time, uh, retired, I, I jumped right on it. And, um, you know, probably one of the best decisions I've made in my career, you know, um, and 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 uh, enjoyed every minute of it. I mean, just, uh, you know, that, that airport has a uh, very unique place in my heart uh, for, uh, you know, all things that it is. I mean, it's right in the heart of Central Florida. I don't even say it's in the heart of Orlando. It's right in the heart of Central Florida. And, yeah. um, you know, just going out and talking about how important general aviation is to the national airspace system and, you know, all the things that it can be. Uh, I mean, just being able to champion that effort as much as I championed the accredited airport executive designation. I mean, that was uh, definitely a pleasure to do um, so much. You know, we, we got some great work done. Um, was it, we were able to uh, take on some capital projects that uh, we were handcuffed uh, for for so many years, we were able to kind of pull off a runway incursion mitigation program that, um, you know, really set the stage for all of the development that's taking place now. And uh, as a result, was lucky enough to get the uh, general aviation uh, 
Airport Manager of the Year Award from the FAA Southern Region, but um, I, I can't take credit for that. I would say it was my team because we uh, came up, we, we, we were visionaries, all of us together, came up with some ideas of how we were going to get that project done. And we all worked together to make sure that that came to fruition. And so uh, to this day, I, I share that award with uh, every uh, 15 of the employees that we had there that worked for GoAd Executive Airport, I shared that award with them. So, yeah, it was a great experience. Great experience. Uh, very difficult to leave the place, but once again, to to take on uh, this new challenge and coming to Volusia County and you know being a part of this uh, unique but exciting uh, aviation and economic development uh department and, and and with all of the things that we have on the horizon that are here i mean some of the decisions that we're on pace to make is is really going to uh, set this place up for the next 20 years and i'm excited to be on the front end of that one thing that i'm, I'm hearing a lot uh from your story and i won't ask you how old you are um but um <laughs> you see the gray hair man <laughs> <laughs> you're older than me um, and what I love about hearing your story is the tenacity that you still have. I hear, I mean, I've talked to several people who the role of director of operations at, at um, Orlando International would have been the dream, right? And they yeah. would have they would have yeah. gotten that position. And I know several people that would have just given up like, okay, I've made it. I'm done. I'm just going to serve my time here, retire and, you know, move out to somewhere quiet. Um, and even the position that you had um, at executive. I mean, I know so many people who had lower positions than that and were content. And they just said, nah, I'm, I'm good. I'm done. And um, and even to move on to now Daytona, like you are tenacious and always wanting more and always hungry. Right. Um, I, I think that's great. I mean, a lot of I think it especially plagues the aviation community. Um, and I think that that um, lack of determination comes from how many things you have to manage all at once, you know, and, right. and um, you talked about managing employees and learning how to lead staff. And, and um, that is a unique thing to do in aviation, yeah. um, be just because of how diverse the responsibilities are. Uh, I talked to George Speak and Diane Cruz oh, yeah. both said the same thing. Um, just a lot of things that you have to know. Um, can you talk, though, a little bit about the challenges? I love that you said that you owe that that award to your staff and your team. That's a mark of a true leader right there, understanding Thank that, you. you know, you're not the only one working, that you may be the leader, but you couldn't do anything without your team. Um, but could you talk a little bit about the struggles and the lessons that you learn? You talked about, you know, you make mistakes and you learn from them. Can you talk about the lessons that you learned as a result of moving into different positions of leadership, but also just moving into positions where, and I don't know if you, I'm sure you have felt like this at times, um, like you were not prepared for the yeah. curveball that you were served. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, I definitely, you know, I go through that with, uh, you know, the challenges that I'm faced in Daytona. It's like, whoa, okay, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> but, you know, you take it in stride. Um, yeah, at just coming up, and, and I'll say, you know, from Denver to, you know, I did a stint in Chicago, um, for their department of, of aviation through uh, Landrum and Brown, and then Reynolds Smith and Hills, then Jacksonville Aviation Authority, you know, it's 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 tough because you want to learn as much as you can, you want to get involved with it as much as you can, and and. I won't even say the generation that's behind me. I mean, I had the same issue. I, I was very impatient. You know, I, I wanted uh, these results now. And you, you, you look and you see some of your peers that you've graduated college from or that you may have done internships or you run into at conferences and you see them uh, getting these airport leadership opportunities and you're thinking, okay, well, I've done everything that they've done. What did I do wrong? Mm. And, and really, um, you know, this, this, this industry, just like in lots of other industries, it's all about timing. Uh, what I tell people is you need to be prepared. You need to do everything that you should do in order for when that door opens up, you're ready. And, 
the people that are helping you through that door, you know, you've justified everything that they're doing to help you. And so when I tell a lot of people you know, that, that are starting out, they instantly want to be the airport director at some, you know, large hub, you know, Chicago hair or, or Atlanta, uh, you know, that, that you got to be realistic. You know, these things take time, but they take timing uh, at the same time. Um, just because you're ready doesn't mean that that job that's right for you is ready for you. And so in the meantime, what you should do is get all the education that you can get, you know, whether it be uh, a master's degree and then your certifications, whether it be, you know, your double AE, if you can max out there, um, if you're fortunate enough, and you got somebody financially supporting you to go through the, um, the uh, international airport professional designation, because it's kind of, kind of costly. Um, but the ACEs that are out there um, is, is some people look at, okay, yeah, you're giving money to AAA, but no, what you're really doing is you're, you're opening up your, your, your span of knowledge in particular subject matters that are only going to help you. And these are things that can't be taken away from you unless, you know, you fall and you hit your head and concussion and you lose all that stuff. You know, that stuff's going to stick with you. And so every opportunity to learn, every bit of moisture you can soak up with regard to knowledge, when that job opportunity is ready, and once you've nurtured your network to the point to where, you know, that supports you, uh, when you're ready, then that job will be there. You just need to make sure that you're prepared. And so, you know, you'll hear, uh, I, I take feedback from, you know, the different search consultants that I've, I've interviewed with or different organizations I've interviewed with for jobs, even jobs that I knew I didn't want. I wanted to interview just so I can have a conversation about the industry and learn about what that expectation is for that job. So then I can apply that for another job interview that I would be interested in. You know, the, these, these are, these are, these are things that you want to take advantage of as often as you can. And so one of the uh, pieces of feedback that I got back from one of the executive search consultants, uh, when I was doing noise abatement and interviewing for a job and, and uh, was unsuccessful, I uh, said, well, you don't have any thing documented that shows that you know how to manage people. So uh, within within Goa, you know, I, I, I took advantage of every opportunity that I could that would give me the ability to learn how to manage people. And, you know, that's that's a skill that has to be, you know, acquired. I mean, you, you know, there's going to be situations that you're put in where, um, you know, one size is not going to fit all. I mean, you're going to have to you know, handle a particular employee issue. Uh, HR used to tease me a lot because they said I always wanted to wear my my white hat. I never wanted to put on the black hat. And you know, the black hat uh, that that coincides with you having to be a disciplinarian and you know, and understanding you know the rules and policies of your organization. Sometimes you have to come down with the hammer. Eh? But what I, what I tell people is, you know, just because you have to do that, you don't have to be harsh about it. it. You really, sometimes the message is all about the delivery and you learning how to talk to people and, and learning how to explain certain things to people with the importance of what it was or the, the issue uh, that transpired or how that would be negative for that organization or how, you know, that policy was violated. I mean, you can explain that to people without, you know, being nasty about it. And so, um, you know, I, I learned those skills and I learned how to talk to people, how, you know, I would want to be managed in certain situations. And I just made sure that I applied those uh, skills that, that I learned. So, you know, after taking that advice and getting exposed, uh, to managing people um, when the next job opportunity came up or, or a different situation came up, you know, I was ready. And, you know, that resonated through from my employees, giving me feedback on, you know, 
different things that they liked about how I was managing a particular situation. And, you know, getting employee feedback is probably the most important because you want to make sure that you're, you're, you're giving them everything that they need. And, you know, it goes both ways. I mean, you want your employees to be good employees, but your employees want you to be a good manager. They want you to be a good boss. And so you want to make sure that you have that constant dialogue, that constant relationship. And just like with any relationship, you want to nurture it you want to continue to build. And if you do make a mistake, you know, or you do come off uh, cross given a certain situation, you know, be able to own it and apologize and um, yeah. seek different ways on how you can um, improve and be better. And there's, there's nothing wrong with admitting uh, failure for that, because of course, what comes from failure is growth. Absolutely. Tell me, what is the worst advice anybody ever gave you? One, one former, uh, who, who's, who's kind of a mentor today. I, um, I, I was told at the time I was an ops person and I was told uh, no need to get involved with uh, helping the, these political officials. Uh, you'll, you'll never, um, you'll never be in that arena because you don't have the knack. And, and, and you'll never be an airport director because you don't have the political knack. And, and uh, uh, I grin that off today um, because, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in this seat. That's what you do. Yeah, it, it, and it actually fueled me. You know, it's mm. kind of like, you know, my, my favorite basketball player was Kobe Bryant. Mm. And uh, bless his soul. I mean, I, I still look at, you know, different comments and, different, uh, you know, clips on TikTok and different things uh, of, of, of Kobeisms. And mm. uh, uh, one said, uh, you know, he was uh, playing Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan uh, uh, hit a last minute shot. And of course, uh, ended up beating Kobe in the Lakers. And Jordan went up to Kobe afterwards and said, you may try, but you will never fill my shoes. And so uh, Kobe just kind of took that and said, okay. And, uh, you know, um, the next week of practice, all the other Lakers said, well, what's wrong with Kobe? Kobe hadn't said a word since we lost to uh, the Bulls. And, or, or maybe um, that was when uh, Michael was with the Wizards. But he's like, well, Kobe, hadn't, Kobe hadn't said a word since, uh, you know, we lost to Michael Jordan. And Phil Jackson said, yeah, that's because uh, – um, Michael said something to him. And so they're like, well, I feel bad the next time we play Michael Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) And and Kobe, Kobe went bizarre, scored 50 points on Michael. And so I'm similar. I'm similar to that because, yeah, yeah, you know, if you're going to tell me that I can't do anything, that's great because you just put that idea in my head. And so now I'm going to find you know, not one way, but multiple ways to get it done. And so actually, I I appreciate him for saying that and fueling me because, yeah, Mm -hmm. I I, I probably wouldn't have had um, as much uh, tenacity uh, to be where I was, you know. Um, I was told that I, you know, didn't need to be on board of examiners and you know, here I am. I've helped over a hundred candidates, and you know we're on the verge of uh, getting five hundred double uh, AEs, which is a number wow. that's never been heard of. And you know, I, had I not had that, you know, who knows where we'd be? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's great. So, what is the best advice you ever got? Uh, nurture your network. You can never understate the value of having a strong network. Um, I tell you, the reason I got this job in Daytona was a result of my network. And it was actually um, the result of um, me um, hiring a guy in Orlando and cultivating a relationship with him. And uh, he uh, moved over to Daytona and um, made a, a, an excellent rapport uh, with the uh, county management. And um, when the director of aviation was uh, retiring, um, uh, this guy who moved on to the private sector, um, the uh, county manager called him and said, hey, um, who do you know would be uh, a great 
instant fit for this job. And mm. um, he immediately said me, you know, and he didn't have to. It was just a result of, you know, the network. And, and then there's so many different examples of this. I mean, me being the chair on the BOE, it, it came from the network that I was able to, to establish. And, and you, you, you continue to build on that network. You help people when somebody calls and they need uh, advice or, or somebody has a question about something, you know, you, you find a way to make yourself available. Kind of like you and me, as hard as I am to catch, <laughs> you know, <laughs> definitely, um, you know, you, you want to cultivate and build on these relationships in the industry because, you know, you just never know on the back end um, how that's going to affect a future move. And nine times, I want to say 99 times out of 100, it's going to be positive. So mm. it's just best to, you know, engage and be involved and just nurture this network because it's a small industry. It's a very small industry. Uh, you don't want to burn any bridges. And, you know, in order for us to take, you know, airports where they need to be and and have them can continue to be uh, as impactful as they are on the communities that they serve, it, it, it takes, you know, networking and, you know, ideas and sharing best practices. And, and there's no better way to do that than having a, a good, solid network. So that was great advice. And that is a wrap for this episode of the Try, Fail, Learn podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating and review. We'll catch you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.